Of course, the section we are on is Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, all the way through the end of the book, chapter 4, verse uh, 6. And we're calling uh, this uh, particular one a call to take inventory. Uh, and we begin here with this uh, fifth and uh, I think uh, one of the very most important messages that we have here uh, in this book. So to begin where we were last week, uh, it was on robbing God. And uh, the people, of course, objected to that. They said, who, us? We're stick-up men. We didn't hold up God. We've never done that before. And uh, he had said that in verse 8. Uh, how about that? Will a person rob God? And they said, who, us? We've robbed God? When did we rob God? We never robbed God. And he said, yes, in tithes and offerings. Uh, you're under curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, which is not just money, that has to do with all gifts, all acts of service, in which we as uh, people of God want to see the kingdom, the rule and reign. The most important uh, uh, run for office here, if you would put it in those terms, is that of the Son of God, who has given us a plan ever since he created the world, and has picked out a nation in which he said, I'm going to show you my blessing and plan through that nation. Now keep your eyes on that because all the way up to when I'm going to come back again, uh, that's going to be the prelude to the big event. And the big event is the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. That's the big thing. And our Lord Jesus taught us that. After all, we pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. We want a fair and just government that takes care of all of our needs without slipshod and without cheating and without introducing a lot of other stuff. So that's what we've been planning for. However, to introduce this whole thing, there are a whole bunch of wrong attitudes from the people. He had said, if you will act this way, verse 412, then all the nations will call you blessed. They'll rise up and say of Israel, Blessed are the people through whom they have given to us the Messiah and has given to us his first coming, his second coming, and all of his action and works in the interim. God is still working. He is not loafing in heaven. He is now shaping history. And that shape, is taking place in cooperation with the whole people of God, with us. But primarily, the message has come through the apostles and prophets who were, just like Jesus, Jewish. And so that's the background. But the wrong attitudes that have come from the whole thing are people in verse 13 who say, You've said harsh things against me, says the Lord. And here again are those innocent students who say, who, us? We did that? When did we do that? We didn't do wrong. These are those uh, same kind of guys I told you about that lived in our house when we were house parents in Wheaton College. And they had the big water fight uh, at 2 a.m. in the morning. And I went up, I said, gentlemen, uh, what's going on? And 
They knew better than the lie to say we didn't do anything. After all, they were soaking wet, and they were in their skivvies, and there were balloons all over, and the wallpaper of our landlady was now hanging both sides of the hallway, had lapped over and had, like mercy and truth, kissed each other. Uh, and uh, so it, it was, uh, I saw 13 guys all lined up, and, and they, they, they nudged each other. Do you do this? See, they didn't want to say, I didn't do it. But asking a question was still okay. So they said, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? And all of them given the elbow to the next guy. But uh, they seemed to be saying, God owes me because I served him. So when I serve God, I want something out of it, see? Uh, and uh, what was the problem with these people? They were like the church at Laodicea, which is in the, the, uh, the book of Revelation. By the way, when you go to uh, Turkey and visit the uh, seven churches, they have, they're still excavating at Laodicea. And our Lord said, I wish you people at Laodicea were either hot or cold. Now, as you were down at Laodicea, you look across the plains, six miles, and the whole front range is darkly white. From what? From minerals. The hot water springs run down and drop down this cliff and leave them all white so that there is a water pipe that comes from them and another one over from Colossae or somewhere in that vicinity in the Lycus River Valley. And they, you, they will show you right at Laodicea two big pipes, a hot pipe with hot water and cold water. So this is very appropriate. You're neither hot nor cold. And the Lord said, uh, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Well, that's pretty awesome uh, to have that as the final response here. So let's look at our uh, uh, chapter itself. What's our pivot point? What's our uh, key uh, passage? And it's verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord, and remember Proverbs 1, 7, all over Proverbs, Psalm 115, it has this description of the fear of the Lord, which doesn't mean to be scared or to be frightened of the Lord, but rather it's an attitude that responds in faith and obedience. So the fear of the Lord is step number one to getting smart. The fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord's beginning of uh, uh, knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. A whole bunch of things. That's position number A. So these people who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. Hey, isn't that an interesting thing? our discussions. We wonder if our phone has been hacked. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, God says, I got you covered. I can hear your conversations. I know what you are saying to each other. How about that? Uh, you, you talk about putting a block on your phone. There's a good reason. Uh, and but there's something more than this. He says, a scroll of remembrance. God has a book. There's the book of life. And my goodness, get your name in that book. Uh, very, very important. All who have received Jesus uh, or the Messiah as their personal Lord and Savior, they're written in the book. But there's another book, 
a book of remembrance. God has, like the Persian kings did, remember, uh, that one in which uh, uh, we have Esther, who won the Miss Universe Award. Remember, she was made queen. Okay, it doesn't say that, but uh, I'm trying my best to keep your attention. Uh, and uh, so uh, he, King couldn't sleep one night. So what do you do when you have insomnia? Read something. Uh, and what should he read? He got the Book of Remembrance and found out that Esther's uncle had turned in two hoodlums who had plotted an assassination. Uh, and they'd taken care of it. So the king says, what was done? Hezwares, or as we call them in Greek, Xerxes. What had been done for this man? They said, nothing, sir. They said, well, and in comes the unsuspecting big-headed guy who had his own plans to take down Esther and company and said, what should be done for the man who really the king wants to please? He said, ah, my day has come. It probably means me. So he gave a most luxurious way of taking care of it and found out it was his key enemy, uh, the one he wanted to take care of. Uh, so a book of remembrance was written, but it still haven't come to the big point. Uh, it was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and, now I'm going to give my own translation here, thought on his name. It's an amazing text. There are people that fear the Lord and that listen, the Lord listens to what they say. And it was written in the presence of God, a book of remembrance of those that feared the Lord and honored his name or thought on his name. That's the big point here that I want to bring across. So, homiletical key word, again, what summarizes these verses from verse 13, chapter 3, through verse 6 of chapter 4? Questions. It's a noun. I want to say something. But it's plural because there are more than one point here. And I need an interrogative. Who, what, why, where, when, and how? Five W's and one H. I teach this for years. 60 years I've been training pastors and saying uh, to help get the message together, pick out, if you're going to do a story for Fox News, you'll need all six. But for preaching, you only need one. You got to choose one, and you look to the passage and saying, is it answering the question how? Is it answering the question where? Is answering the question why? Is answering the question, well, these six things are, you know. I decided again, it was what. So, what are the questions we need to be asking if we're going to take good inventory of our lives? Uh, the first one, is it vain to serve the Lord? Uh, chapter 3 verse 13 through 18. That's the key question here. Because, uh, verse 14, you have said it's futile to serve God. We don't get anything out of it. I've been slaving away in the church. I was head of the usher committee for, and you know, these stories go on, 15 years. No one ever recognized it. Or, I, I handle more babies. I've seen three generations come and go. And I've changed more oil changes for the babies in, in the uh, uh, taking of uh, their diapers on and off. Okay, uh, it wasn't like when we first started out. They just had 
cloth diapers, and they sent them home. Uh, they had to be washed. But uh, now we've got pampers. So we've got uh, a pampered uh, kids. Here's the first one to come forward. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we got your message earlier. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So is it vain to serve the Lord? That's what these proud contenders and complainers were saying. They were saying, uh, uh, I'm telling you, uh, the prophet had said in chapter 3, 10, prove me now, says the Lord, and I'll bless you. And the people replied, the wicked have tested you, and they found out, God, you're a paper tiger. You don't do what you said you're going to do. Uh, the prophet again urged in verse 12, but the nations will call you blessed. They'll call you most happy if you will do this. And the people scoffed and they said, by the authority invested in us, like a graduation thing, we hereby dub the wicked most happy. I mean, they are having the time of their life, and they're buying everything. They don't put one nickel in the church. But man, do they buy the expensive things here. So it's all so useless. It's all so wrong. And that's their claim. Their words here are bad. They say, it doesn't get us anywhere. It is just plain useless to serve the Lord. But their attitude was even uh, uh, worse. They uh, seemed to force the Lord. And uh, like in chapter 2, verse 17, they've wearied the Lord with their words and their method. Not only the words, not only the attitude, but their method too. They spoke with one another and not uh, uh, lovingly about the Lord, but they complained to him. And they were saying, it's, it's useless. It's worthless. So that's their charge. Uh, and they use this word, it's vain to serve the Lord. Same word, by the way, as in the Ten Commandments. Don't take the name of the Lord for nothing, in vain, useless, or without a function in the sentence. I talked to you about that uh, a week or so ago. So, uh, the observance of the observers was in every case one in which they didn't care anymore. They just didn't give a hoot. And this attendance, they said, was profitless. What do we gain? And they concluded there was nothing at all. So their atrocious insinuation was uh, uh, one in which they, verse 15, but now, but now. Or, and now, we hereby have come to a conclusion, and we pronounce the wicked people the most happy people upon the face of the earth. And you wonder about the patience of God. You would say, hey, these are creatures you made. Uh, shut their mouths. But now God, don't forget, in this book, says in chapter 1, verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. And in chapter 3, verse 6, I, the Lord, change not. Therefore, O descendants uh, of Jacob, you're not destroyed. You want to know why you're still here? You want to know why life is still going on? Because I don't change. I have loved you, and I still love you, and keep on loving you. You say, who? Those rascals? With that bad mouth, I wouldn't put up with it. I wouldn't put up with it at all. Uh, uh, and and uh, 
the, the text goes on to say that uh, 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 it's futile to serve the Lord. What do we gain carrying out his requirements? Uh, uh, they, they're doing a paraphrase and they're referring to God built the midwives. Remember back in Exodus 21, he built the midwives because they refused to uh, practice the abortion that Pharaoh had ordered for all in this vicinity where he was told that the king of the Jews was born, uh, the wise men that had come to visit them. So God built the midwives into houses. Now be careful, I've had students that have gotten into trouble with their churches um, being too literal on that. Uh, <laughs> this means here that God reestablished them and their families. It doesn't speak of the girth of the women at all. That's a different one. The same guys get in trouble on Mother's Day, and they say, she, the virtuous woman, she is like a merchant ship. Careful, 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 careful. <laughs> I know some merchant ships are broad, but uh, that is not what this text is saying. Absolutely not. Nine, nix, nipa, yet. I want to say no as many ways as possible. So uh, they tempt God, and they say, um, we are here to prove that God is a paper tiger and doesn't do anything. But there's a second group here, too, and that's the believing God-fearers. Look at their conduct. They feared the Lord. Uh, and uh, uh, that's exactly what you expect in chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, a son usually honors his father. And a servant generally honors his master. Lord said, if I'm a father, and if I'm Lord, then where's my honor? You give me the title, but you don't give me what goes with it. Now, it should come along. And these people, they were different because what? They thought on his name. The Hebrew word here is clear, hashab to think on his name. Isaiah 13, 17, uh, where the Medes do not regard silver. They don't think on silver. Silver had become so plentiful. They wanted gold, not silver. Or what about Isaiah 33, verse 8? Uh, the wayfaring men, uh, they cease the highways are deserted, uh, and uh, it goes on to say that the uh, highway robbers regards no man. They think and have no value on any of the men. Or what about the great chapter, Isaiah 53, of the suffering servant about our Lord. He is despised, and we what? Esteemed him not. There's the word. We didn't think on him. We don't value him. We say, ah, he must have done something wrong. You don't get put up on a cross for nothing. He did something wrong. That's what was the general consensus. And we, in our unsafe state, we agreed. Before we came to the Lord, we agreed. We said, yeah, he did something. That's how he got up there. We esteemed him not. Or, guess what? The Greek translation of this Hebrew word is the same one in Philippians 4, 8. Think on these things. Take inventory of the same word. That was from Hebrew into Greek, and now comes up in Philippians 4, 8. Uh, don't be, have your mind filled with this, but have it filled with this instead. What made these people different? They thought on the Lord. 
They set values upon what? The name of the Lord. That was their highest price. You ask them, what are you worth? What's in your big envelope, your portfolio? Uh, do you have a portfolio? Yeah. What's the most valuable thing? The Lord Jesus, his name is above everything else. And they accounted that as their wealth, their property, uh, their, the highest thing they had of all of their possessions. So Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 22, up on the, the uh, Mount of Beatitudes, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. So where was their treasure? In the name of the Lord. So where was their heart? On the name of the Lord. Or Proverbs 23, 7, as a man, what? Thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. That's a great text, Proverbs 23, 7. As we think, so are we. As we think, so are we. And they spoke one to another. While the disenchanted murmurs were going on, this group that feared the Lord spoke to one another about what? The greatness of their God, the greatness of his coming rule and reign, the greatness of the success he is going to have, the greatness of that day. You've ever seen any sort of super bold sort of uh, bonanza? That's piddlywinks compared to the great day when the king of kings and god of gods and lord of lords rolls into town. Uh, excuse my grammar, you ain't seen anything yet. Wait till you see that. It is just going to burst every other kind of uh, uh, bubble that you can think around. So uh, uh, the uh, text goes on to say that they are mine. Verse 17, chapter 3, says the Lord Almighty, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. How about that? Lord saying, that's one of mine. He's pointing to each of us. That's one of mine. You talk about sort of dropping names. Uh, Lord says, yeah, yeah, Walter, I know him. Just, you say, uh, he was our Sunday school teacher. Yeah, well, at any rate, well, let's go on to this second question. And the second question is, is there a difference between the wicked and the righteous? Is there wicked at all? Uh, is there a distinction, I should say, between the wicked and the righteous? And the answer begins to uh, come up here in which our Lord talks about uh, what is going to happen in that uh, a fantastic day. For he says here, verse 18, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You say, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm telling you, I've lived a number of years and I've watched and... I don't, I don't say it. I don't say it. Lord said, you're going to. You're going to. Uh, and uh, so uh, this chapter talks about that coming day of the Lord. You don't think there's a difference? Chapter 4, verse 1. Surely the day is coming. It'll burn like a furnace. <laughs> uh, and I'm telling you, Remember the three guys in the book of Daniel? Uh, they were given uh, Babylonian names. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, which I have trouble teaching to graduate students. Uh, so I have popularized it. Uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, to my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. 
uh, that, that helps them to uh, remember those names a little bit more. But they heated that furnace seven times over. And of course, had the bellows down there just pumping air, as much air in as they could. And they must have walked them up on a high cliff, like a second story, and then dropped them in down among the flames. And what did the flames do? Only burnt the rope. Their hair was not singed, their clothes was not, they didn't even have a smell of smoke on them. And anyway, they saw the Lord Jesus walking in the midst of them. And the king cries out, he said, oh, servants of the living God, come out, come out. And they walked out. They bound them when they put them in. They came out free, baby, free, because that stuff had burnt off. And our text says here, they is coming, will burn like a furnace, only this time for the wicked. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them, but you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness, will rise with healing in his wings. So here comes an outbreak bursting on the scene like a glorious sunrise. And most of us have enjoyed uh, uh, summer days where uh, for once we get up to see the sunrise. And the thing just floods the whole landscape. And he says, he calls them here, the son of righteousness, S-U-N, will rise and our Lord comes back with healing in his wings. And if you go out and leap like calves released from the stall, that was Micah chapter 2, 11 and 12. When the Messiah, the good shepherd, comes, he will release all of his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23. And when the shepherd comes, who leaves the doorway, they never had a, a door there. The shepherd was the door. He slept crosswise so that the sheep, if they're going to wander during the night, had to crawl over him. And he would know that it was time to wake up. So, this one, he says, when the shepherd gets up out of the doorway, the calves will go out. And I remember releasing calves from the farm in the spring after being shut up in the dumb barn all winter. And you release them in spring, look out, because they're going to kick their feet high in the back and high on the other side and jump with their front thing. They are just so happy to be out, like a bunch of school kids that have just been uh, uh, released. So there are two destinies here, uh, and uh, two different uh, results. One for the proud, and the others for the god fears. But there is a third uh, uh, sort of uh, question here, and that is in the final uh, verses here. Verse 4 and 5. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai. Now, you must know here that the law is referred not as some of the teachers said, according to its accidental or temporary outward form, but according to its essential character as expressed in what? The holiness of God. Uh, just as Matthew 5.17 says, it is eternally the same 
in the eyes of God. Not one jot, not one tittle will pass away until all have been fulfilled. So that's what E.W. Hankstenberg said uh, way back in the 1800s. And our text is saying here, uh, yes, there is the law of Moses, which expresses what? How do you put it all in the most abiding form? It is Leviticus 18. Be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. So how holy does a guy have to be around here? As, 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 as. The holiness of God sets the standard. Sets the standard. Don't worry about uh, 613 laws, as Maimonides tried to put out. There were 613 laws, and it may be so. But what about the essential, quintessential teaching? Be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. And secondly, there is uh, another guide, and that is uh, verse 5. Look, and there's an intention getting word. Behold, hey, hey. Uh, that would be a better way to translate it. Hey, hey, uh, look up, look up. I will send the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Why did the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, uh, and all of them, you know, the, you know, the Sadducees didn't believe in any resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> and, and God said, I will send you a prophet. Who? Elijah. And what were they all saying? They were asking Jesus, is it true? Will Elijah the prophet come before the great notable day of the Lord? Yes, God has been sending a whole raft of them. Like whom? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was one too as well. And uh, he came, Luke 1, 17, in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. Elijah. So... What was his message? Repent, turn back. And the one word that last week I said characterized 16 writing prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and the 12 minor prophets. That's 12 plus 4, 16. What one word? Zechariah 1, 4 and 5. And Zechariah 1, 4 and 5 said, did not all the former prophets come saying, turn, turn, shuv, shuv. God was trying to give him a shuv in the right direction. Well, shove, all right, okay. So that's the same one. So respond to my Elijahs. Uh, and with this, he goes on to give us a, another whole a reflection of what is going to come. So I go to my last passage before we take, uh, and I've been promising some questions, so I really should have some, but let's go to Revelation uh, chapter 11. And here we're going to see perhaps exactly what Jesus had been promising through Malachi the prophet. Let's pick it up in the, just the last part of verse 2, 11 verse 2. And they will trample on the holy city for 42 months. That's three and a half years. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days. That's three and a half years using 30-day lunar months. 
rather than our solar, some of which have 31 days. Uh, and they will be clothed in burlap, sackcloth. And these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. Remember back in the book of Zechariah, it had there the uh, two olive trees alongside of the menorah that was being fed directly with oil that came from these olive trees. Uh, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone tries to harm these guys, fire comes out of their mouths and devours their enemies. Oh, boy. You, you want to talk about sci-fi. Uh, here it comes. Uh, they come up and try to destroy them, and they just <laughs> they breathe on them, and, and uh, out comes fire. That is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. Wow. Wow. These men have the power to shut up the sky so it won't rain. What's that? They have power to shut up the sky so it won't rain. Where did I hear that before? Elijah 3. He, remember, he ministered and uh, he uh, got them all together up on Mount Carmel. Nancy and I have been there. I took Nancy five times up to Mount Carmel. And, and it's quite a sight. It's a long mountain range, 25 miles long. But they got up on the highest spot, and he said to uh, King Ahab and Jezzy, that was his wife, uh, uh, she came from uh, uh, the sea coast over there, Tyre and Sidon. Uh, and uh, she was the main sponsor for Baal worship. And she thought she was bailing them out. But actually, they were crying balefully. I'll give you time. <laughs> that comes along with the lessons here. Uh, and uh, uh, so Elijah said, all right, let's have a contest. We've got to settle this one for all. If God is God, then it's got to be demonstrated. You guys call on Baal. If Baal is God, then let him produce fire. Uh, Fire? Who wants fire? I mean, the weather forecast there had been right first time in all of history. Three and a half years, it had not rained in Israel, and it, uh, it was sunny, clear, and warmer every day for three and a half years. Uh, and so he said, the God that sends fire fire. Who needs some more heat? We need rain, brother. Yeah, but there must come, first of all, the atonement. And there's got to be a sacrifice in front of the, take the bull. You slaughter your bull, and then after you're finished, I'll slaughter my bull. And you pray, and I'll pray. Risky business with a million and a half, two million people present, boys and girls, and they're all saying, Mommy, what's going to happen? Uh, he said fire's going to come down from heaven. I don't believe it, Mommy. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And they cry out, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9, 10, 11, 12, still no fire. And Elijah is chewing on some grass. He says, hey, fellas, I don't smell any smoke. Uh, that's a marginal reading, but uh, he, he's giving it to them. And he says, uh, I'll call louder. I hear he goes on trips. Thanks for the tip. Bail! They yell their guts out. No, still none. And he says, uh, I hear he sleeps, too. He may be taking a nap. Cold outer still. Bell. They just give it everything they have. Nothing at all. So they go on until 3 p.m. That's 6 to 12, 6 hours, and 3 more. 9 hours, that's a long service. Long service. 
uh, without any coffee. Uh, and there they were. <laughs> and he says, all right, prepare the, the altar for me. Twelve stones. Oh, 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 oh. This is northern Israel. Ten, thank you. We're ten tribes up here. Ten stones. No, no, he said, God called us twelve nations. So, ten plus two, twelve. And he said, cut the bull up, put it on there. Now, go get water. Someone said, where did they get water? I thought there was a drought. This is by the Mediterranean Sea. Just go down the hill. And they brought up these four barrels of water, poured it on. He said, do it again. The guys, oh no. They went down, brought some more. He said, do it again, third time. The thing is soaking wet. So it couldn't, this saved 50 doctoral dissertations by liberals that jumping around, there was a spark and the wind blew and poof, that explains it all. But that theory's all wet. Uh, it's soaking wet because there is no sort of tinder there at all. It was soaking wet. And he prays in 60 words or less. I think both eyes closed. Mm. He didn't have one open and sniffing around, and nothing happened, pray for the missionaries. Uh, and, you know, uh, stretch this thing out. No, no, he just prayed, Lord, let it be known that you are God today. And boom! Fire fell from heaven, and it wasn't just a lightning flash. Like those golfers got hit by lightning. No, no, no. This was, the whole thing was set on fire. Enormous. And the people, what did they do? They fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Well, he says, these men have the power. That's what makes us think one of the guys is Elijah. I don't know for sure. But in that day, I'm sure the Lord will have a name tag on him. So we'll know which one is. Uh, and they're prophesying and they have the power to turn the waters into blood. Oh, that sounds like Moshe, Moses. He turned the water into blood. Someone says, well, what about Enoch? I thought he was the other guy who was taken up to heaven without dying. There are two guys in heaven right now that have never died in their mortal bodies. Enoch, Genesis 5, and... Uh, Elijah, Elijah was taken up, oh, in a whirlwind, not in a chariot of fire. There were chariot and fire. They said, hey, there goes the best defense this nation ever had. I'm telling you, you talk about the new defense line, you talk about uh, B-51 bombers, you talk about uh, guided missiles, that this man, when he prayed, was better than the whole army. 72 billion defense budget. Mm -hmm. That was something else. So they liked these two guys. Now, when they had finished their testimony, they preached that whole time. Three and a half years. Why? God in restoring people back to Israel. And he is right now. And it's happening today. If you didn't notice it, You've got to wise up because we've started the countdown. I don't know the date, but I know the stuff that's supposed to be taking place, and it is taking place right now. And what will take place, not only they're restored back to their land. So you saw this morning in Pastor's message, the uh, uh, gathering to be scattered, I now add, to be restored. Gathered, then scattered through all the nations, like the people on the face of the earth, and like Israel was scattered, to get the name of the Lord out, but then restored back to the land. And what happens? A great revival takes place. Jewish people will come like never before. When it happens, I want you to remember, you heard it here first. Uh, so, 
No, no, it's in the Bible first. Uh, so uh, when they've finished verse 7, their testimony, the beast that comes up from the pit will attack them and overpower and kill them. I thought they had these flamethrowers out of their mouth. Yeah, but not this, Lord, lets it happen. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Well, their Lord was crucified in Jerusalem. So Sodom is a name because of the reputation in Egypt. And it says, the people of every tribe and every language and every nation are going to gawk at them, gaze on their bodies, and refuse them burial. They're not going to bury Elijah or bury Moses. And then the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them. Ha ha, we won. We won. Yay for our team. And we'll celebrate by sending each other gifts. How about that? This is like uh, uh, the stores open up early after Thanksgiving. Time to send a gift to everybody. We just got rid of the two biggest bumpkins that are telling us about, you got to be born again, got to be saved. And we don't want any of that stuff. Okay? And because these two prophets tormented those who live on earth. Why'd they torment them? Because they told them how to get saved. Rescue your bones, dummies. But after three and a half days, a breath of life, swish, comes from God, enters them, and they stood on their feet. And guess what? Terror struck. I'll bet. I'll bet. Have you ever seen a dead man who has uh, <laughs> all kinds of worms crawling in and out of their nose? They're dead. They're gone. In the hot 100-degree weather, of Jerusalem, and then all of a sudden, they get new life, stand up, shake themselves, and then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. Friends, this is going to take place. Is this uh, somewhere in the tribulation. Sounds like middle because three and a half years they preached and then they killed them. And at that very hour, there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed and 7,000 people were killed. He knows the number. He calls the shots. So you got this before Fox got it. And they were killed in the earthquake and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. And all of a sudden, they started singing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Man, no wonder there are guides. Elijah, God is not finished with that prophet yet. God is not finished with his word. Not the jot or the tittle will pass away. So, Let's look at uh, questions for discussion and reflection and, and conclusions here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, God threatened the Laodicean church goers uh, for being inauthentic and for their lackluster worship of him uh, and Revelation 3, 15 to 17. Uh, and our Lord reproved them for the same. Second, the strongest point the God-fearers had was they prized what? God's name, Jesus' name. And they talked about his name to each other. Greatest prize, greatest inheritance, because it said everything about what was coming and what each of us were going to inherit. And the law of God was referred to 
not according to its accidental or temporary outward form, thou shalt, thou shalt, but according to its essential character, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. And Elijah, the head, the start of the prophetic union. There is Elijah, then Elisha, and then at least 16 writing prophets, plus a whole lot of others who didn't write. And they'll return again to this earth in this same spirit, same power, as one of the two witnesses in that final day. So, let me, uh, do you have the questions there too for discussion, reflection? If John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, Luke 1, 17, how can Revelation 11, 3 to 12 say he will come again? And this is what we call a generic prediction that there is a whole line just like in the line of David and the son of David, our Lord Jesus. So there is a line of prophets too. And you have the one who is the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus, and all of us who are the seed, which is appropriately collective. It is not a plural, so it's wrong to translate seed as descendants. It should be translated as offspring, uh, which is uh, generic in its wholeness. And secondly, how could the proud complainers pronounce all the wicked most happy? How were their attitudes manifested? And of course, it's in their words and in their actions. And one more, uh, number three, what was the day of the Lord and when will it come? That day of the Lord is an event of not 24 hours, but of an epoch like the day of Abraham Lincoln, the day of the horse and buggy, the day of the Victrola. So the day of the Lord and when will it come? in connection with the second coming of our Lord. Who will win in the final day? Will it be those impudent questioners, or will it be those who feared the Lord? You and I have not feared the Lord for zilch. It's not been a waste. It's not been useless. It's where history is going. It's where God is going. It's where his kingdom is going. It's where his rule and reign is going. And how soon is that? Uh, very soon. Why? Because they already have started returning back to the land. And I'm looking forward to an enormous event. I don't know what it is, but there is something that ticks off the Jewish people who say, Oi, they, we passed up Jesus. They call him Yeshua, Yeshua. And they say, he's ours. What are you Gentiles doing with him? Give us back our Yeshua. They want him back. <laughs> we'll share him. But uh, it's the same for our Lord God. So thank you for, uh, I thought I'd give you time, but I'm way over. Uh, I usually apologize, but I don't. Uh, this is all part of the fee you paid for this class. So, uh, oh, by the way, uh, if there are any books in the back, uh, uh, you can take them. They're the last ones we have. Thank you for those who extended to ministry. And you say, I didn't get that point. It's already here. And in the back of this book, the second half, is how to do Bible studies on your own. But may God give to us the joy of our salvation. It is a wonderful Lord, a wonderful calling, and God is going to wrap up history in his way that he said he would. So 
thanks for during summertime, even doing Bible studies in summer. Imagine that. Uh, and uh, uh, be sure to look into Equip for the next series because uh, Brother John will be there to welcome us uh, to the classes. Well, God bless you, each one. Let me just close with a final uh, benediction. Now may the Lord keep each one of us. May his face shine upon each one. May he give us your peace because we know you're coming again and you're going to finally show that right was right, wrong was wrong, injustice was unjust, and that your righteousness rules and reigns forever and ever and ever and ever. We have no idea how long that is, nor can we even imagine it. And when we've been there 10,000 years, we've only begun. Bless us, Lord, for it's in your name we pray these mercies. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. Thank you once again. <laughs>